Welcome to Fully Covered, sponsored by Grant Thornton, leading providers in audit, tax and advisory services. So hi, everybody. My name is Emma Leonard. I've worked in the insurance sector for almost 20 years now, having previously worked in claims, regulation and currently in the risk management sphere. I am delighted to have Paddy Ryan as today's guest. Paddy has been in the reinsurance business for over 30 years, working in London, Australia, and most recently appointed MD of Gallagher Re in Ireland. There's a lot happening in the reinsurance world at the moment, and with the dust beginning to settle after a chaotic 1-1 renewal, it's timely to speak to Paddy about that renewal, reinsurance pricing, capital, cyber, and the outlook going forward. Please enjoy the episode. Paddy, it's lovely to have you with me today. And as I mentioned in the introduction, you recently joined Gallagher Re in Ireland as Managing Director. Can you talk to us a little bit about Gallagher Re, please? Certainly. Thanks, Emma, for inviting me today on the on the podcast. So we're Gallagher Re Ireland and we are an Irish domicile reinsurance broker. We're part of the, the major international broker Gallagher Re, which is headquartered in London. Um, if you look at it on a, a global basis, Gallagher Re has 2,400 employees. We're in 70 offices in 31 countries. If you bring it back to the conversation today a, a, around Ireland, um, we are we're, we're, two, we're one team in two locations. We're based in, in, in obviously in Dublin and in London. Um, we are a team. We have seven brokers that work full time on Irish business. Um, backed up by, well, working with uh, five people on our analytics team, cap modelers and actuaries and so on. Um, and those seven brokers, they're very involved in the account. There's actually 11 people in the team that, that broke Irish business, but the seven of them are core. And they're all senior brokers. I think the youngest is 33 years of age. He's got eight years of experience. So it's quite senior people in the broking fraternity. Um, we're part of the, the UK Island team, a category, so we're 68 people in total. We've got a significant market share in the UK. And what's happened is with the uh, joining Gallagherie, the business that we have previously done, combined with what uh, the team at Gallagherie London have, means we have a formidable presence in the Irish market. Um, by way of background, the, uh, the Irish connection runs deep at Gallagher, um, Arthur J. Gallagher founded the company in Chicago in 1927. So he's the son of John James Gallagher, who, aged 10, emigrated from Limerick. Um, and so, you know, 95 years later, Gallagher Re opened in April last year. I joined in July. Um, and then Gallagher Direct opened as well in June of last year. They've made four acquisitions already. They've got 300 staff. So I think that shows the significance of the investment that uh, Gallagher's are putting into, uh, into Ireland. Um, there's 43,000 employees in total. Um, but what I find fascinating as well, it still has that family um, feel to it. And that Pat, who is the grandson uh, of the founders, the chairman and CEO, Tom Gallagher, CEO of, the, of Gallagher Global, um, he's coming through Ireland shortly. So it's just, you know, it, it's a fairly tightly knit company, bearing in mind the overall size. Very good. And are you planning to grow the team in Ireland? Yes, we are. We will actually be going to the market in about two weeks' time to, to recruit further. 
um, and I can see in, later in the year or Q1 for next year more coming on board. I think it's important as well to stress, though, that we've got regular visitors, you know, or team members coming across from London as well. So there could be room for people to come across, we seconded it here and so on. Because um, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to grow without doubt. Very good. Um, just for the purposes of the audience, could you just explain the difference between a reinsurance broker and a retail broker? Sure. So the reinsurance broker, our, our clients are primarily insurance companies. And so what we do with them is that in, in, in sort of simple terms, if, if you like, we hedge risks for those insurance companies. We lay the risks off. Um, what it really involves is working with capital. So we do two things. We're firstly, we free up capital. And secondly, we manage the earnings. And we do that through the medium of a reinsurance contract. So that transfers the risk, takes it off the one balance sheet and goes to the I don't know, European reinsurers or whoever. And thereby what we're doing is we're shaping and refining the, the risks that are held by our clients, being we are normally insurance companies. Okay. And I mentioned in the last episode that we have a thriving reinsurance market in Ireland. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, from, from a reinsurance market, that's an interesting, I, I heard the podcast, and I think that uh, the Insurance Island numbers would be skewed in favour of life reinsurance companies. So the reinsurers that we have here are absolutely super to work with. Obviously, they're on the ground, they understand the Irish market, and they're supporters of our clients here. Um, but I think that it's you, know, you can count on the fingers of one hand the actual P&C reinsurers. It would be fantastic if one or two other reinsurers did come in because it's a natural step for them to take to support the local market. That gives more reinsurance capacity to the, to the local carriers. So if we move on to the 1-1 renewal process, there have been a lot of adjectives bandied about uh, for this year's 1-1 renewal. Challenging, late, gruelling, a fundamental shift. What is your take on the renewal and why was it such a challenge? So straight, straight into the, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 hot, the hot topic. It was, without doubt, the, uh, the toughest renewal season for or a good 10 years, if, if not more. Um, I describe it as uh, it was bruising. Um, at times, it was a slog. Um, you could sense at one stage that the, the angst between the various parties was almost palpable. And it's exactly why we do what we do. Um, I can show my, my vintage here, if you like, because if you go back to the, the tragic loss of, of life um, in the, the catastrophe of Piper Alpha, way back in the 80s. Um, and I remember going into the, into the office that morning and uh, my, my boss um, at the time now saying, well, we're now in a hard market. Now we'll find out who can deliver the goods. You know, in, a, in a soft market, it's easier for a lot of people to do a reasonable job. We obviously strive to do uh, a, a better job than that. But in the hard market, it's tough. And so to go out there at 1-1 and to hold the line um, and to be at all times cognizant of the difference between um, our market and our clients in particular and the individuality of each of the clients contrasting to, what, to all the noise that was going on out there. It was a really unusual renewal season insofar as the market turned. We knew that the, there was momentum in pricing. 
So already the commercial pricing in the US was moving. The surplus lines market was moving. And, and you know, they, they called it the golden age of surplus lines, etc. And we knew that if the wind blew, and we were saying this in the, in the summer of last year, if the wind blew, we could be tipped into a hard market. And the figure we had in mind and we were advising to clients was a loss of 50 billion. And of course, Hurricane Ian happened, and it's you know it's probably there or thereabouts. I don't believe it's going to hit the sixty that was originally estimated. But what that shows is that if you look at the cat losses from last year, so let's just take a figure of a hundred billion, say. Now, of of that, some seventy or eighty billion would be U.S. losses. So it just shows that it's that U.S. peak zone that is bringing through the losses, and you know that's not true in Europe. Now, in, in Europe last year, okay, we had the German floods, you know, some hail this summer, but it's US peak zone capacity that was driving all the noise in the, in, 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 in the press. So when you contrast it with Europe and the figures there, and then you bring it to Ireland, which has been very, very profitable for the, for the reinsurers over, over the years, and they get that, they understand it. The reinsurers are savvy, they like supporting the Irish companies. It's a very, very different um, scenario. So let's you know look at the uh, the 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 three main pressure points of one one. The first was around the um, the retention levels, and there was a big push for the insurers to take on more on, on more risk. And you know we get that where there has been a frequency of severe losses going into the bottom end of people's programs, you know there's a, a strong argument for for retentions to be moved up, etc. When you contrast that with our markets here, where there's not that frequency of loss, you know, so you've got five or ten years of clean, clean figures on the bottom ends of programs, then the reinsurers, they get that after a con various conversations, lots of meetings, and you know, because obviously they're under pressure from management to move retentions up as, a ma as, an, as an overall mantra. You know, one size fits all. And our market's not like that. It's, it's far more nuanced. Um, and it, it needs that individual approach to it. The second point would be around price. Um, and yes, pro prices had to move um, upwards. I think one of the battlegrounds there, and I use that word because it's, it was thrown at, at, a, a lot in, at us a lot in the early stages of the renewal season, was around inflation. And I think that you know we need to sit down and focus on this as well, which, which is what we did, because... You know, again, inflation is something that you can you can manage through, right? You can you can work your way through inflation because there's a growing premium pool, and therefore there's more money that's coming into the insurers. There's adjustable features on the reinsurance; they get the benefit, and you can do things because there's increasing premium. I think a far bigger problem is is when it goes the opposite way. And you have deflation or recession, etc. Falling premiums, companies can fail, or you know, in the commercial market, or whatever it is, and that creates a much more difficult thing to to, to work through with with the reinsurers. Yes, inflation means that there is increased exposure. You know, you become more first loss, and we understand that, and we work through it to try and come to a landing. And you know, premiums rose, um, but again, it was something red that was. Well, we ask for a balance in the increase in premium as opposed to these arbitrary um, figures that were being um, that came out in in, in, in in the press. The last point I think is something um, the last of the three areas where, where 
there was pressure, a lot of pressure, is actually around the, the clauses, around the wordings of the contract. Um, and of course, when reinsurers are looking to have a better understanding, a better control over where they will pick up the, the catastrophe losses, that what that means is that you're pushing exposure back onto our clients, back onto the insurers. And so there's discussions around that, how best to do it. I do think as well that, that whilst we came to a, a very satisfactory landing with our reinsurance partners and, and, the client, and our clients would be happy with, with what happened on that, it's the timing of it that caused the difficulty. So we were out in the market on the, in the first week of November with the, with the wordings, the renewal wordings. And so it's a little bit um, difficult when in the middle of December, a new clause is dropped in or a tightening of a wording, etc. Et, et I think it's important to stress as well that the, in some of these clauses, the population of Ireland plays a factor. We don't have the demographics of, say, the UK. So, you know, some of the clauses they're trying to push through really are non-applicable to us because of the, 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 the size of our cities, towns and villages um, and reinsurers um, accepted that. It was very late renewal season. Um, we had this, this standoff for a, a long period of time. Um, I thought it was fascinating because, you know, and I can empathise with the reinsurers. So uh, we had a, a new piece of business came in for a new client. And I was talking to the, the CEO of a, of a reinsurer, a really good guy. Um, and he made the comment, I said, how, you know, how are you? And he made the comment that he was endeavouring to keep his his underwriters, you know, holding the line. And I can see, you know, you can see that because reinsurers are effectively bidding for business, and they want to make sure, if they can, that they're not bidding too high. They want to make sure they get the business and so on. So all this was going on, and the brokers were were, were trying to work out how best to approach the market and so on. Um, but I think that the the overriding focus from us and it certainly helps having been through several hard markets before is that you can get there um, but it's certainly about making sure not to go too early um, in essence what happened with us was that uh, the placements went in and i think it was the the wednesday in between christmas and new year when the market moved we, you know, we went to the markets and everything came together on that day and we knew that it would, it would go through. So I think that the, in terms of the reinsurers, the majority of the ones that, uh, that, that support um, Ireland, I think that they enhanced their reputation in some ways with the clients because they took a realistic view, reasonable view. They kept the product relevant. Um, to what was going on, other parts of the of the reinsurers were seeking more money. Some a couple of them that we don't trade with that were in the press, but we don't you know looking for extreme pricing, should we say? But that's their job. The overriding thing here, Emma, is that the Irish insurance market for the last decade or so, the profits are there for reinsurers on the property side of things, and probably you know since 2015 on the casualty side, the figures are very very good as well. So, you know, again, that's what it boils down to at the end of the day is who's got the money, yeah? Is the business profitable? Is, you know, and are our clients at the top of their trade and the reinsurers acknowledge that? 
That's a, a very uh, robust response. So thanks very much for that and a, a huge amount in there. Uh, just in terms of the coverage restrictions and the, the exclusions that you, you uh, mentioned there, what type of restrictions did you see? Effectively around the what's called the hours clause, which is where reinsurers are trying to narrow down the number of days or weeks that, that you can aggregate together to contribute to the loss. The other area as well was around what we call political violence, if you like, strikes, riots, civil commotions and so on. Um, so they're worried about unrest. And one of the things here as well is that, you know, in Ireland, it is such a stable country politically. Um, people recognise that. And so the, it, was, it was not an issue for, for ourselves. And in terms of pricing, what type of rate increases did you see? If you look, there's, there's two sections to the answer to that. It firstly, is on the, the, the casualty side, um, where we've got good visibility over the market. And I think it's fair to say that, it, to give a, a non-specific answer, if you like, if you put you know low to mid single digit price increases, um, and that's a testament to the results of insurers underwriting motor and liability business um, in, in this market and, and the fact that the, the large loss scenario uh, has, has been is, is measured and is in line with the expectations or below the expectations of, of reinsurers. In terms of the, 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 the property, it's difficult to give um, an exact figure. We would shy away from um, the, the normal metrics uh, which are used around the risk-adjusted feature. What I can do is give you a figure across Europe, for example, and the, the figures there around about risk-adjusted plus 24% to risk-adjusted plus 34 depending upon the, the loss history um, of, the, of those contracts. So you mentioned at the beginning that reinsurance is about capital. So can we expect more capital to come into the market during 2023, considering now that the dust is starting to settle after the renewal? I think that's a cracking question. Um, the may I answer firstly in, in this way. In terms of where we are and the programmes that we place, this is just purely in respect of our, of our Irish portfolio, there is sufficient supply of, 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 of capital to underwrite our business. We just don't have these huge towers that need so much protection. We also didn't have clients that are going out looking to buy new layers of, 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 of substantial stretches of cover um, on top. The, the murmurings that I'm hearing at the moment is, is that there could potentially be new capital coming in. Um, there's one... There's one in, from from Bermuda, but it, I think it'll be selective. Just to wind it back a bit, you know, there was a lot of talk about the falling capital, etc. There was support for reinsurers just prior to one one, but what happened was they were choosing specific reinsurers to allocate the capital to. So those ones that, that so there was no new company that stepped in. This is what's happened beforehand, and that's the difference. And how can we make it more attractive for investors? The reinsurance returns going backwards have not been enough to satisfy new investors coming in. So I think that we need to have a better understanding, a better um, around climate change, 
um, and, and make sure that there's adequate pricing going forward for the exposures coming through. Just in terms of cat models, um, they're a, a huge part of, a very important part of the industry. Has the renewal brought models and cat models specifically into the spotlight again? And how much can investors rely on models considering the, the last few years' experience? Models are always going to be an, an, an integral part of what we do, but we take them with balance. Um, we very much blend the you know blend the models, and we utilise our own data to to, to go back to uh, to the reinsurers with. I think the reinsurers that we would deal with in Ireland um, recognise the strengths of the models and the limitations thereof. And therefore, it's a blended approach that they use. This has taken a long time to work with reinsurers, um, both on the property side and on the on the on the casualty side, um, because again, because of the population of, of Ireland, I don't think there has necessarily been. It's only latterly that the investment has come in around Ireland specifically. But we're now able, through our, our skill sets in Gallagher Re, to have a very good picture around the cat modelling, around flood. Um, on the actuarial basis, we've got a huge database on the casualty. So in terms of the data or the more scientific approach, absolutely, we've got it in spades and are able to go to the markets on, on, on that topic. So I mentioned in my last episode that the systemic risk relation to cyber you know, is, is quite large and could be seen as a little bit scary. Um, what are the key challenges from a reinsurance perspective if we're talking about cyber? On the cyber perspective, I don't think it would be exaggerating to say that in London um, we have the leading cyber reinsurance team um, and so any inquiries we get around cyber goes straight to, uh, to Ian Newman and his team at Gallagher Re. Um, I think you know when you look at systemic risk it is an interesting topic I mean just think about you know the two biggest losses of this century. So if you look first at the World Trade Center, and then if you look at, um, say, Katrina. And so those risks, when they're underwritten, um, very much in line with the current terms, pricing, etc., at the time. And then you look at what happened with you know the, the, the terrorism element, which is something that was probably underestimated and may not be charged for appropriately at the time of the World Trade Center and the, and the, the, the calamity there and the tragic loss of life. And then what happened there, the market reacted, and it came out, and it, you know, the, the, all of a sudden that terrorism, the PV market, became very, very strong, and it grew, and it took on the challenge of, 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 of terrorism. When you look at Katrina, the storm through New Orleans, what caused a lot of pain for insurers and reinsurers was the business interruption and the contingent business interruption around it. Not obviously the PD was bad, but it was so again it was the 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 the, the non-modeled if you like at the time or the the, the smaller parts of the, of the risk as was thought at the time that caused a huge amount of the of the of, of the monetary loss and therefore the market is starting to react around that. You move forward to say to, to the COVID, to business interruption, and there we have um, a non-physical damage business interruption loss. On each of those, the market reacts, and the market either comes up with a solution and moves forward. And I think that's what has you know put it in really, really good stead over the years. 
just in terms of the outlook for 2023 and going forward, what are your thoughts? I think it's really exciting. I think when there is uncertainty out there on the macroeconomic position, I think that leads to uh, to change. I think it leads to, to innovation. Um, we're really fortunate in our portfolio here. Historically, whilst our raison d'etre is, is, is Ireland and understanding the nuances of the market and having the knowledge and skill sets to go to our clients, see what the issue is, find out what the issue is, come up with a solution and, and then execute it. And as a reinsurance broker, you know, the key word is broker, that we have then have to transact that business and cut the deal. So with that going on, in, in, the, in the Irish piece, we're also very, very fortunate that we have clients uh, in other geographical locations. Not that we canvass for business elsewhere, but we have a, you know, a customers in the States. Um, we'd be relatively strong around the trucking market in the States. We've always worked the, the South African market um, with, a, with one or two property clients. Um, we have a new client coming in with some Australian business. We're actually in the market. And of course, we have one or two UK clients. So across all of this, it gives us a really interesting viewpoint of, of what's going on in the market. And the key point is the collegiality and the professionalism of the team in London. Um, you know, it's, it's a really is almost like an owner operator model whereby people are there to serve the clients, to produce business and broke that business and be able to, you know, to, to be confident that the, with all the changes going on in the market, that we can deliver the deals that are best served to our clients. But bearing in mind, key to that is the relationship with the reinsurers because you know they put a lot of time and effort into understanding Ireland um, and I think most of them thoroughly enjoy coming here as well. Very good. And just the last question. So we've obviously learned a lot from the 1-1 one, one renewal. Can we take it that you'll be booking your holiday then for the last week in December for, uh, <laughs> for this year? That's a cracking question. I think that the uh, the one the, the, the mid-year renewals, uh, well, first we have the, the Japanese ones, the Asian ones coming up, and then the 1-7 uh, the renewals, I think that we'll see... Um, uh, Again, you know, some tough renewal negotiations going on and then we'll see how the rest of the year pans out. And I think one of the factors that we must take into consideration for the rest of the year is what events happen or don't happen during the rest of this calendar year. Fingers crossed it'll be a nice quiet year for everybody. Paddy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Emma. We have some really interesting guests coming up in the future, so I hope you tune in and please share with your colleagues and friends.